From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode. Or go to ipswichtoday.com.au Coming up, it's time for another yarn over the back fence with Walter Williams and Ashley Mack. This month, how is it that businesses can be locked out of their own shops without notice? Ipswich Council CEO makes history. The city's population boom shows no sign of easing anytime soon. We also talk e-scooters, Christmas lights and more. It's Monday, November 22, 2021, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. Walter Williams has called Ipswich home for 30 years and you've heard his voice as a leading voiceover talent in Australia and was previously heard on QFM, Star FM and River. Welcome, Walter. Great to be back. Thank you. Ashley Mack was born in Ipswich, still carries those scars from growing up at Ebervale. He was the very first voice on QFM in 1990 and is still a media tart. He's also a small business owner. Welcome, Ash. Oh, good to be here, guys. Talking of small business owners, we'll get straight into it as we normally do on Over the Back Fence. What a shock to hear about the Ellenborough Street businesses that were locked out because their landlord didn't pay the mortgagee. Ash, mm. you're, you're, you're renting that is, space. That is absolutely the most horrifying story. When I, I jumped on Facebook that day and saw the girls from Rafter and Rose put the story up, it, it's almost like your heart stops because if it happened to you, because mm. the wife actually rents premises in, in a hospital, you know that. Yes. And if that if she got locked out of that her business, I, I reckon I'd I'd be hiding, I'd be ducking for cover, because <laughs> she would be that ropeable. How 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 it happened to them, I'll never know. In the middle of the night, they come in and change the locks, and they can't get in, and they've been paying the rent. So yeah, well, they've they've done the right thing mm. by paying the rent. It's, yeah, it's actually the landlord who was, um, yeah. or the previous landlord who, oh, some, somebody in between in the middle caused all the problems. How did they get out of it, though? What, what did the council do? We've got to congratulate the council and uh, Councillor Marnie Doyle from the uh, CBD committee got right on the job with uh, with other staff of council. The mayor was in there as well, so was uh, Councillor Nicole Jonick. Everybody leapt into action first thing in the morning when when the word got out. After recording this episode with Ash and Walter, I also caught up with Councillor Marnie Doyle to help demystify the situation, and she also explained how the city rallied to help. Thanks for joining uh, Ipswich today, Councillor Doyle. Thank you for having me, Alan. We were all shocked when we saw the news that uh, these businesses were basically turfed out of their own premises. How could this happen? Various different aspects at play here. Um, one one of the things that um, really complicated the issue was that there had been a change in ownership of the premises um, of that building there and uh, the the business owners weren't made aware of that, um, which is an interesting um, twist in the facts. So they were paying their rent in good faith to somebody, uh, but the owner of the building wasn't paying back the loan they'd taken out to purchase the building. 
Well, it, it's looking that way. And, you know, I'm just I'm mindful of not um, compl- uh, complicating the situation for the business owners um, any further. So, you know, I need to be respectful in my comments. But um, I guess when I put my banking and finance lawyer hat on, I can absolutely see um, how this has transpired. And, and you know, because it's a commercial premise there, their, their business is operating from that building and they don't get the rights and the protections that that standard residential tenancies do under the legislation in Queensland. So it's a whole different uh, set of rules, I guess. Harking back to your experience there in your previous life before you became a councillor, did this happen very often across the business sector? Oh, for sure, for sure. And, um, you know, there's obviously legislation in place and it sets out uh, the steps that, that need to be taken. And um, outside of what the obligations are, you might find some of the majors, the big banks will, will be, um, I guess, a bit more lenient with their time and the way they work with companies or businesses in financial distress. They, they will work with them and, and give them a bit of an extension to try and get everything in order. When you're dealing with smaller, I guess, non-bank lenders, they won't necessarily apply the same kind of standards. They will give the minimum requirements um, in notifications under the law um, and, and that is it before they step in to realise uh, the property and, and recoup monies owing under the mortgage. Well, last week you sprang into action quite early in the day along with the Mayor and a couple of other councillors and the support of uh, council staff. How did you resolve the deadlock and get it done so quickly? Look, um, I, I don't want to take the credit away from the actual business owners here. I need to be clear that they uh, leapt into action themselves. A, a bunch of women uh, led by one of the business owners, um, a, a lawyer who was on the phone immediately uh, to the mortgagee in possession. Separately to that, our Office of Economic Development here at Council were also on the phone to the mortgagee, pleading with them to uh, show some leniency and at work closely with these businesses for the for the next leg of, of the, you know, recovering money's owing under the sale because it will take a number of months and there's no reason why these businesses shouldn't be able to trade in the meantime. So I guess from an advocacy point of view, um, at, at local government level and, and state level, Jennifer Howard was also involved, you know, having discussions with the mortgagee and, and, and pleading the case of our local businesses. From the outside looking in, it's, it looks as though everybody rallied around the businesses, which was great to see. A good result in the short term. Will you be keeping a watching brief on, on how it transpires? Absolutely. My role in this um, has not ceased. In fact, I've got uh, a brief in front of me at the moment. Um, so I can work with those business owners uh, to ensure they understand what the next few months will look like as the property is taken to the market. Council will continue, our Office of Economic Development will continue to work with the mortgagee in possession and, and the commercial agent that's appointed to sell the property to let them know, um, I guess, prospect- to help prospective buyers understand what the terms of the development um, approval that are currently is currently attached to that property. Uh, this is a historical matter. Many, many years ago, there was, I think, Ellenborough Towers was born. And Can I say it wasn't quite born, but it was a concept. I remember the, the drawings. <laughs> I, I, I know. Um, yeah. And, and look, I, I for a whole heap of reasons, I'm not going to comment on that, but it never got off the ground. But, but the DA still applies and will be in place until mid-next year. So potentially the new owner, the purchaser of the property, may look to make good on that DA and develop the property. 
I, I do hope that uh, the shop fronts, uh, the little businesses that face Ellenborough Street uh, get to remain. Um, but we don't know because well, um, it will ultimately depend on the new owner and what they want to do with, with, with the parcel of land. There's certainly some very popular businesses in that street, particularly Rafter and Rose. So we wish them all the best. And uh, Councillor Marnie Doyle, thanks for taking the time to explain a little more to us with Ipswich Today. Thank you. I caught up with Councillor Doyle after the recording of November's edition of Over the Back Fence with Ash and Walt. So we'll pick up from where we left off. Here's Walter. Talking of small businesses, and it's good to see so much growth. I was taking a walk in the top end of town the other night, and there's a new little coffee shop there, and there's all sorts. Of, there's another business I'd like to welcome to town, the Rusty Nail with John and Emma in the Nicholas Street Precinct. It's a tapas craft beer bar. So, uh, oh, oh, that's a nice addition. Oh, that sounds like a media hangout to me. Mm, it does. We're we'll going to have to try that one, fellas. We'll put that on the to-do list. Exactly. Moving on, more big news in the city uh, this month. The ladies are in charge with the new Ipswich City Council CEO being Sonia Cooper, who was acting in the role and was appointed at the last council meeting. Now, while a female CEO is not unusual in this day and age, Sonia is the first to be appointed to the role in Ipswich and comes with some very good credentials. Walter? Uh, look, this is terrific. I love to see um, ladies getting promoted and into great positions like this. I'm seeing this all the time. I've seen it recently with a major football club in Brisbane, a soccer club, and and they've got a new female president. So the more the better, especially if you're qualified. You're not just getting the job because you're female. You're getting it because a you, you are the best person for the job. Well, she was a commissioner for the Public Service the Committee. She's actually got a, an amazing resume, that lady. Mm. And what a pity that we have to worry about the female part. Well, because I, I, I know, stand right? on her yes. own two feet. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yes. You know, it Brisbane City be. Council's already had a female CEO. It's kind of old news. But <laughs> we wish her well. And uh, from all reports, uh, has a great demeanour and uh, working really well with the staff. More power to her. Keeping with Ipswich, which is where we are, the population keeps going through the roof. Can you believe how fast we're growing even during COVID, Ash? Do they still do it by counting the bins? That is that was one method, and it was a very reliable method. Yeah, Tully uh, used to do that one. Yes, he did. That was uh, set up uh, quite some time ago. But council's now saying the official population... Uh, is 236,105, with nearly 1,500 new residents moving to the city in the third quarter of the year. Walt, we're seeing it right across the city. It's not just in uh, Springfield. It's not just in Ripley. And this is something I remember years ago, um, we were talking about the growth that was going to happen in Queensland. And it's it's really happening now, isn't it? Uh, this was predicted. And hopefully we'll have the infrastructure and transport and everything else grow with it to keep Ipswich livable. That's what we want at the end of the day. It's funny how it's changed, though. Like, I remember um, when I was a kid, 64,000 people that were in mm. here when I was in primary school. And we thought, <laughs> that's such a big number. And uh, when I went into radio and had to leave town to go through more stations than the sunlight, Lander. Um, basically, when I came back to Ipswich, well, before I went, I was uh, basically you knew everybody. You'd go, mm-hmm. you'd go to Big W or Bavale or whatever, and you'd be bumping at all people you knew. When I came back, you know, what fifteen odd years later, not so much. I didn't recognise anybody. The whole thing, mm-hmm. holy dooly, the ch- town's changed, and going from sixty four to 
you know, 250,000, that's a big number, big jump. It is a big jump. 325,000 yeah. by 2041, that's huge. It'll just keep going up. And once the borders come down, who knows what that rate will be in uh, oh, exactly. 2022. We're seeing this growth right across the city. It's not just in the Springfields and the Ripley Valleys. Over your mm-hmm. way, Ash, there's, there's infill subdivision. Oh. Yeah, you. The, the subdivision, there's, there's houses going in everywhere. And as soon as something goes on the market, like it sells within a week. Mm. I think they, they're doing it on one open home at the moment. It's amazing. Time on market's so short. Here's an important question, Ash and Walt. What? Does Ipswich need e-scooters? No. I had a close call recently in Brisbane while visiting the powerhouse. You know, there's yeah. the big forecourt there as you come up the stairs from the car park. Mm-hmm. And I was nearly collected by a hooning e-scooter rider. And I thought, holy heck, do we need that in Ipswich? Yeah, the powerhouse is notorious for e-scooters. <laughs> now you tell me. You limits. should have told me before. Yeah, the, should have, the, you should have seen the warning signs. But they're talking about doing this initially, uh, trialling it in the Springfield area, aren't they? They are indeed. And there's been more breaking news on that in the last 24 hours at the time of recording uh, our podcast. And that is Brisbane City Council is going to uh, force the operators to speed limit the e-scooters after midnight. And they'll also be locked down between midnight and 5am on weekends in Brisbane CBD and Fortitude Valley. This will be a six-month trial starting on December 1. Speed limit them after midnight? Yes. One more time. Apparently they can do that electronically. They They can go quite fast. My, oh, yes, uh, we know. My my daughter and son-in-law have got, got a scooter. And it's a hoot, but, gee, it's crap going uphill. <laughs> but then again, that could be my weight. I might be a bit over the, you know, the 100 kilo. Oh, that's right, I am. I'm 115. So. Okay. That's probably the reason. But have you ridden any scooter yourself, One like one of those higher ones in Brisbane, Walt? No, I haven't actually ridden one because uh, just uh, hiring one seems a little too complex for my brain <laughs> to work out. Uh, but but having looked at it, uh, I can see the benefits in in terms of less parkings required. If we if we if people are mainly using it as a commuter thing to go from say the rail station to their destination, and let's face it. Brisbane and Ipswich, both very hilly areas. And mm. I know Ash is saying that they're not much chop on a hill, but they've got to be better than walking. And and then you turn up all sweaty in your clothes. So why not hop on an e-scooter? And you look and really it? stupid going through the drive-thru at McDonald's. Well, I originally thought the e-scooter thing was a great idea, and it still may well turn out to be okay. There just might need to be some other conditions and speed limits put on them because uh, – I could see why there's been so many accidents in Brisbane and other areas with the high speed of those e-scooters. You know yeah. why there's so many accidents with electric vehicles, those types of things? I've got an electric push bike. Right. Right. And they, I think it's um, 100 and something watts. No, 25 something. It's set at a speed. It's all you can have in Australia. But what they do is they send overseas and get 750 watts wheel motors for them. And they go, like yeah. we call it ours, the Oh God bike. Uh-huh. Because everybody who gets on it hits the thing and goes, <laughs> oh God, right? Because it takes off. They, they, you know, people soup them up. No one they're going to kill themselves. We'll have to watch this space on the Ipswich trial and see how it goes. It's only four weeks to Christmas. And last episode, 
I forget whether it was you, Ash, or you, Walter, said you'd have to wear a Santa suit, and you've both let me down on Zoom. You're not wearing a Santa suit. <laughs> we can call well, this one the Christmas episode because we probably won't do one between now and the end of the year. Oh, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> but, but yesterday I did dress my dog as uh, as, as in a Santa suit for his <laughs> photo shoot at Riverlink Shopping Centre. Oh, and, and they're doing another one next Sunday for dog lovers. Uh, Actually, do- I'd like to give a, a, a bouquet. Go right ahead. We often give brickbats, but a bouquet. The management at St Andrews this year, what they do is they they let the the nurses dress up the wards every year in Christmas. And I think last year they had Christmas from all over the world and the year before another theme. This year it's recycling and reusing, and you've got to do it. You've got to dress it, and there's a competition who can do the best. They're using recycled materials and all that sort of thing. And it's going to look mm. absolutely fantastic. It's starting to appear now, which I thought was a bit early. Well, no, it's not. It's only oh. four weeks. <laughs> people are putting up trees. When is it too early to put your tree up? What's wrong with these people? I don't know. Heathens. <laughs> yes, well, exactly. talking of Christmas lights, it's something yeah. that brings great joy to many families. But when I was growing up, there was nothing like that. I guess that's because I'm so old. And people this year are being asked to do drive-bys to help keep it keep it uh, COVID safe. Do you mm. like the Christmas lights, Ash? Yeah, I do, actually. We've got a guy just down the road near where they're building the 7-Eleven at, uh, near the overpass, and he's got his lights up already, and it's just spectacular. Some mm. people, they must... No, they must have a, a huge account of Bunnings <laughs> by, <laughs> the <light of> one. <laughs> by the lights, and then they spend hours putting them up. I don't have the energy. No, I'm not a, not a big fan of getting on the roof myself. What about you, Walt? I just put up a little laser show. It's it's easy. It's lazy lights because <laughs> you just plug them in and away you go. It's the way I go. But I do love every year we print out the map of the, the River 949 Christmas lights competition and where all these lights are going to be. And then we go around and have a look. And if you don't want to do that, they also have uh, tours going yes you can undertake a tour and there i think the prices start from about 25 dollars uh and they're doing them in december thursday the 16th and friday the 17th of december look online for details well there's another one we'll put in the show notes and whose dog is barking that's my dog and he spotted the <laughs> dog outside Cooper, shush well, on that note, oh no. The show has gone to the dogs. Yes, we've, it's almost gone to the dogs and I almost uh, closed down the show prematurely. But let's go to sport. Walter, you've got a couple of surprises for us. The wonderful Ash Barty, our Ipswich local. We love her. She's the world number one, the Wimbledon champ. She is back in pre-season training. She's preparing for a massive summer in Australia. She's chasing down her first Grand Slam on home soil and we wish her well with that. Well, let's hope and- for more uh, Ash Barty parties. Oh, exactly. And I think there'll be a lot of those. And we might even see her in a bit of primetime TV too because they're moving uh, some of the women's semifinal matches to the night session. And they've traditionally been played in the afternoon uh, away from the bright lights of Rod Laver Arena. I think there's only one reason they've done that is because they're banking on Ash playing. Yeah, exactly. Being a great draw card. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And the other um, local sports news, Brothers Football Club, NIP, have locked in their new coach until 2024. And his name is Wayne as well as the other one up at Redcliffe, uh, <laughs> Wayne Barnett, okay. committing to the club. And he's an experienced rugby league brain, and it's great to have him back. And it will be good to see because last season was impacted by COVID-19, as you know, for all sports. So uh, there was uh, all the seasons were mucked up. So let's hope that we have a more normal season coming in 2022 for all codes. 
Well, gentlemen, look, on a, on a serious note, thank you for taking part in Over the Back Fence this year. We'll wrap it up for 2021 with this episode and hopefully we'll be back again in uh, January, all being well. Or should something very big happen and major happen between now and Christmas, we might uh, reconvene. But in the meantime, to you and your families, have a great Christmas and New Year. See you in 2022. Sounds good. Look after yourself. Enjoy Thank your Christmas. Thank you, Alan. Stay safe, same and sanitised. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au and click the Donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music Podcasts, or play Ipswich Today from smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.